locked up under the three-strike law for nonviolent offenses should be released because it's uh, overbearing in the taxpayers and it was an unjust law. So due to all that, by the grace of God, uh, me being the first individual being released December 28th, 2012, and uh, Daryl here, which we call Shorty, you know, if you don't mind me saying it, my, my friend here, we met up in Quentin and he got released just what, about a month about ago. About 40 days ago. Yeah, praise God. So we've been serving the Lord over uh, the whole period. I was serving him since 1995, uh, throughout the whole duration of my 17 and a half years. And uh, he and I met up and he's been serving the Lord and we decided to sing gospel. And Lord willing, we look forward to have a gospel CD released in the future if the Lord will. Uh, this next song is uh, one of the songs, too, that uh, we wrote, well, Brother Darrell wrote here, and uh, we wrote songs together, and uh, we hope you enjoy it, and this is pertaining to uh, a message about in your times of trouble, how Satan can be deceptive in our lives. We want to be careful and make sure that we call out on the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. Sometimes the power of Satan can make you feel like your hope is gone. But you can let that keep you from boldly approaching God's holy throne. Jesus said if you stand on your faith, if you keep your trust in God, He'll send His Spirit to whisper in your ear to let you know that you're not alone. So in your time of trouble, there's no need to down. Cause if you give it to Jesus, he will work it out. He promised he would be there in your time of need. In your time of need. So I know he won't make a promise that he can keep. Oh. In the time that you feel empty and you think that you're lost, remember for the world how Jesus died on the cross. And when you get weak and you feel like you're on your own, remember his promise that his spirit is with you and your faith will keep you strong. So in your time of trouble, there's no need to down. Cause if you give it to Jesus, he will work it out. He promised he would be there in your time of need. In your time of need. So I know he won't make a promise that he can keep. So stand on the hope. And in the promise that he made with you And in your time of trouble He, he will see you through. through 
time of trouble, God will see you through. If you give it to Jesus, He will watch over you. In your time, In of, your trouble, time of trouble, God, God will see, see you through. through. It doesn't if matter you what you're going it to through. Jesus, if you fall on your knees over and give it to you. God, He promised He would never trouble, leave you. God and I believe every through. word that the Bible says. If you give it to Jesus, so in your time of trouble, over you. If you give it to Jesus, God will see you through. He can't make a promise that He can't keep. You just gotta trust Him with all your heart and all your soul. He's the King of everything. So in your time of trouble, God will see you through. God will see you through. But you gotta trust Him with all your heart and soul. All of your heart and soul. In your time of trouble. Thank you. Praise the Lord. my turn. I don't know about that. Praise the Lord that we serve a very real God. In other words, we serve a living God. Um, we, 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 don't, we don't come here gathering for worship, um, uh, just kind of glorifying an idea. We come here in the name of a, a living Savior who defeated the grave, and he lives in heaven to make sure that we can defeat the grave too. Uh, we've, ex we've, we've heard a story of salvation, a very real story of freedom, and, and these brothers can sing about that freedom, and friends, can, can you sing about that freedom too? Have you experienced the freedom that comes from Jesus? Today, uh, we're going to have a Bible study. Is that all right? We're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Okay. We're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit and uh, we've been kind of walking through different ideas, different concepts of, of what this promise of the Spirit really is, who this promise of the Spirit really is. And last few weeks, what we've been looking at is how to receive, how to, how to make our hearts ready to receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Last week, um, we, we looked at that parable. You remember? We looked at that parable of a friend who had another friend come to his house looking for bread, and he realized he didn't have anything to offer. So where does this guy go at midnight? You remember? He goes to another friend. He's knocking on the door of someone who can meet his need. He says, I'm asking to give to someone else. How many of you have been praying for the Holy Spirit this week? Amen. Amen. We, we urged this last week, and I, can, I hope that this isn't just a flavor of the week. That this isn't just a, a passing season. The reality is that when we ask, seek, and knock with this persistence and with this urgency, we will only do it to the extent that we sense a burden for others' salvation. Did you catch that? In other words, if our hearts are weighed down with the sense of someone else needs bread, someone else needs the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
that will cause us to ask, seek, and knock for the Holy Spirit. And maybe you found your prayer life to be uh, lukewarm. Maybe you found your prayer life to be at a stall or a standstill, but maybe God is just wanting to lay a burden upon your heart for someone else so that we can keep asking and seeking and knocking for the Holy Spirit. Today, our title is Asking for Rain. Asking for Rain. Go with me to, to the book of James. We read it earlier. Go to the book of James, or I should say the letter of James, chapter 5. James chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 7 and 8. James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. If you're in the habit of taking notes, I encourage you to do so. We're going to cover page after page, scripture after scripture. So James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, this is where we'll start today. When you're there, say, I'm there. All right. James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. I'll wait a few more seconds. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible today. James chapter 5, verse 7. The Bible says, Therefore, be patient. Oh, we could stop right there and create a whole sermon, right? <laughs> Therefore, be patient. This whole letter, he's been kind of talking about suffering, actually. He's been talking about dealing with stuff, dealing with life. And he says, Therefore, be patient, brethren. Until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the what? And the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. How many of you long for the coming of the Lord today? Maybe you found it to be difficult to be patient in waiting for the coming of the Lord but friends, as we're waiting, let's be asking for rain. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we give you permission just now to open up the pages of Scripture in a way that maybe is familiar to us, but in a way especially that is fresh to us. God, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit of truth to guide us into all truth. As we go from Scripture to Scripture, God, I pray that you would illuminate our hearts and our minds, that, but not just to the extent that we understand this intellectually, not just so that we have more information, but so that we can experience the transformation that comes from being sanctified by your word. Father, please address the heart needs that are felt on very deep levels in our congregation today. We ask that you would do what you've done before, and as we open up these pages, may you open up our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' saving name, let the family say. So in James chapter 5, as he's talking about being patient for the coming of the Lord, you know, the question actually was asked in the youth Sabbath school today earlier, uh, you know, maybe you've wondered, like, what is it? Why, why hasn't God come yet? You know, maybe there's a lot of work to do. Maybe there's still something that needs to take place. And notice how James views this. In James chapter 5 verse 7, he says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And then he draws upon this metaphor. He draws upon this parallel and he says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. But he's not just waiting for the fruit. He knows that something needs to happen before that harvest. He knows that something needs to take place before he can pick the fruit. And what is that something? It says, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. The message this morning is entitled, Asking for Rain. 
Do you know how important rain was in the times of, of the Bible? Well, I, I think we, we understand it here, especially in the Central Valley, right? Yeah. How many of you have seen those, those signs, uh, maybe in your neighbor's lawns, it says, pray for rain. Have you seen that? Yeah. We've been praying for rain because we know that in the breadbasket of California, if we don't get rain, nobody gets food, right? Okay, maybe, maybe we're being a little bit more arrogant about it. Well, okay, here's the point. Rain is essential for life. Rain is essential for life, and even more so in Scripture. I want us to see how this plays out because there is a real necessity for the physical rain. Go with me to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. We're going to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Old Testament. So you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 11, and we're going to take a look at verses 10 through 14. You can write that down. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 10 through 14. Deuteronomy, the, 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 the historical setting of Deuteronomy, Moses and the children of Israel, they're about to enter into the promised land. So they're, they're coming to it. They've been wandering through the wilderness for 40 years God has been gracious to them, and now he's bringing them to the edge of their, their expectation. And in Deuteronomy chapter 11, Moses is giving them a little bit of a foretaste of what to expect. He's trying to inform them that this land is a little bit different from the land that they had come from. By the way, what was the land that they had come from? Does anybody remember? Egypt. Okay, so in Deuteronomy chapter 11, notice what is different. If you're there, say amen. amen. Starting in verse 10, the Bible says, for the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come. Okay, there's a difference. It's not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. In other words, the land of Egypt, it was the, the, the land and the, the harvests, they were taken care of by the flow and flooding of the Nile River. They, were, they irrigated things, so, so the water source came from the Nile River. But Moses is telling them that this land that they're going to is a little bit different. In verse 11, it says, But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the what? The rain of heaven. A land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. Verse 13, And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, verse 14, then I will give you what? The rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. A couple of observations I just want to note here. First of all, the necessity of rain. They need the rain for their grain, new wine, and oil, right? They need it. It's essential for life. Second of all, there are certain contingencies. So you have the necessity of rain, but you have the contingency. And the contingency is that rain comes from God. Rain will only come from God. It's not something that they do. It's something they receive, okay? But in addition to that contingency of it being dependent wholly upon God, verse 13 actually gives a condition to the promise. It says that it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. In other words, while rain completely depends upon God, it also depends upon our loyalty to God. Did you catch that? 
Okay, so we've got physical rain. It's necessary and essential for life. It's also dependent upon God who gives it and upon our loyalty to the God who gives it. But notice also the, the third observation. In verse 14, it says, Then I will give you the rain for your land in its season. And we've already heard this term before, these terminologies, the early and the latter. Did you realize that in that agricultural uh, area, there, there was a dry season and a wet season, okay? A dry season and a wet season. And that wet season, it was bookended. It was bookended by what they termed the early rains and the latter rains. In other words, the first rains of the wet season, they got the ground soft. It made it possible for the seed to even germinate. It was seed time, okay? The last of that wet season was known as the latter rain because it didn't initiate the harvest. It actually fully ripened the harvest. So it was that the last part, portion of the wet season, that's what they call the latter rains. Without that latter rain, that harvest, it wouldn't fully ripen. That's why the farmers would wait patiently. Come on, latter rain, come on, come on, because they wanted the fruit. Right? They wanted the harvest. And so we've got these two seasons. Early rain that starts the harvest, it kicks it off, it initiates, it makes possible the seed to germinate. And then throughout that wet season, obviously things are growing, things are growing, but then the latter rain comes and it fully ripens the harvest. So, necessity of physical rain is dependent upon God and upon our loyalty to Him, and it comes in how many seasons? Two seasons. Early rain, latter rain. Now it's interesting is that this, this physical rain actually becomes a metaphor that the Bible uses to depict not just a physical reality or an agricultural reality, but a spiritual reality. Go with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah is a little bit more than halfway through your Bible. So if you crack your Bible open, maybe halfway through, maybe you land in the Psalms, Proverbs, or whatever, Go a little bit to the right, you've got Isaiah. Isaiah is a long book. Isaiah chapter 44, and we're going to take a look at verse 3. We've seen this verse before in our study in the last several weeks. Isaiah chapter 44, beginning in verse 3. Isaiah 44, verse 3, when you're there, say amen. Okay, if you have a friend next to you that needs some help, go ahead and be a buddy. Help him out. All right, Isaiah 44, verse 3. Here God is speaking. He's giving a promise of restoration to the people. And it says this, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty, and floods on the what kind of ground? Dry ground. And notice how this changes. Not just from water, but now he's focusing on, I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Here, the prophet Isaiah is, is using this analogy of rain. It's using this analogy of water and floods on the dry ground to, to nurture the harvest, to make it happen. He's using it as a metaphor of the Holy Spirit's ministry. Do you realize? Are you thirsty for the Holy Spirit, friends? If you're thirsty, this promise is for you. Floods on the dry ground. My spirit will be poured out upon you. Now, what's interesting is this. It, the, the metaphor of rain, it, it actually intensifies. It actually focuses on a specific ministry of the Holy Spirit. Just a few chapters later, go to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45, verse 8. 
I guess that would be technically be one chapter later. Okay, Isaiah 45, verse 8. If you're there, say amen. All right, Isaiah 45, verse 8. Here's the additional element to this metaphor of water and rain. Notice, it says, Rain down, you heavens from above, and let the skies pour down, what's the next word in your Bible? Righteousness. So there's a connection that the Bible writer is using. There's a connection between rain and righteousness. Rain and the Holy Spirit. Rain and righteousness. Rain down, you heavens from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open. Let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. So let's follow this along. We've talked about the physical necessity of the Holy Spirit. And now, excuse me, we're talking about the physical necessity of the rain. And now the Bible is connecting it to the spiritual necessity of the Holy Spirit. Specifically as he rains down righteousness. This is really interesting. It gets even better. Go to Joel. Can you find the Old Testament book, Joel? You're in Isaiah. Keep going to the right. You'll find a real book, big book, Jeremiah, then Ezekiel, and maybe Daniel and Hosea. And Joel is right after Hosea. Joel's only three chapters long, so you just might miss it. Joel chapter 2, verse 23. We're building something here. We're trying to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how it relates to this picture of rain. Joel chapter 2, we're going to read verse 23. If you're there, say, praise the Lord. Oh, wow, good work, good work. Okay, Joel chapter 2, verse 23. Let's see if this clarifies the picture even more. The Bible says, Be glad then, you children of Israel, and rejoice in the Lord your God. Okay, tell me why to be glad. Why can I rejoice? For he has given you the, what are the next words in your Bible? Okay, okay. Some of us have a little bit different than others. Okay, so I'm reading from the New King James. And my Bible says, the former reign faithfully. So I heard something else. I heard something else. Okay, the former reign moderately. In just measure. Very interesting. Okay, so what's interesting is that this Hebrew phrase, the, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. And these Hebrew words literally means reigns to righteousness, or reign for justice, or reign for justification. Now, here's the thing. That word reign, it comes from the same Hebrew root word for teacher. It comes from the same Hebrew root word for teacher. And I was trying to figure this out. Like, why in the... Okay, so the Hebrew root word is yara. Yara, okay? If you want a Hebrew lesson, go ahead and repeat after me. Yara, okay? <laughs> All right, now what's weird, I don't know, Hebrew has this weird thing about it that words and verbs have a word picture behind it. And the word picture behind it is shooting, darting, shooting arrows. And okay, I, I can see rain now. Okay, so it's like shooting water towards the earth. And teachers apparently shooting information across from one mouth to another mind. Okay? Actually, so this, that word yara, it's, it's translated sometimes as teacher, sometimes as rain. And so here we have this picture of a teacher of righteousness. Actually, my footnote in the New King James, it says, uh, where it says, former rain faithfully, it says, or the teacher of righteousness. Very interesting that this would be a, a metaphor for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit wants to send forth something to us. Wants to shoot things and pierce through to our hearts. 
in such a way that life can spring up. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's, a, he's also the teacher of righteousness, right? When you read through the New Testament passages of John 14, 15, and 16, when Jesus is teaching about the Holy Spirit that would come after him, he says, I will send you the Holy Spirit of truth, and he will guide you into all truth. He is a teacher. He is a counselor. And then in John chapter 16, verse 8, when he says, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit really does know how to teach, to guide, to pierce through to our hearts for the sake of righteousness. Are we following this together, yes or no? Yeah? So, wow, the Bible is putting so many things together. Yeah, we've got this idea of rain being necessary for life, but even more so, the Holy Spirit who teaches us righteousness, He is necessary for real life. So the rest of Joel, chapter 2, verse 23, it says, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you. And again, this is a reason to rejoice, verse 23 says. He will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Okay, so let's pick this up again. Just as the physical rain had how many seasons? Two seasons. When we're talking about the spiritual reign of the Holy Spirit, could it be that God is promising two emphases or two phases of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives? That there would be an early reign ministry of the Spirit and a latter reign ministry of the Spirit. Could it be? I would submit yes. That this is exactly why God uses this analogy, this metaphor of the, of the physical reins to depict the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is necessary for life. We understand that, yes? That the Holy Spirit is someone that, that only God can give us. We don't, we don't earn Him. We don't, we don't bargain with Him. No, no. We receive from the hand of God the Holy Spirit. And we also recognize that just as there were contingencies, it was, uh, the, the natural rain, the physical rain, was contingent upon our faithfulness and loyalty to the one who gives the rain. In the same way, there are conditions. We've talked about this. Conditions for receiving the Holy Spirit. There are conditions that make our hearts ready or unready to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we're seeing that just as the literal rain had a, an early and a late season, or a early rain and a latter rain, same thing with the Holy Spirit. There is an early rain ministry and a latter rain ministry. But what does this look like? What does this look like? Well, I would submit that just as the, the physical rain initiated the harvest, the early rain initiated the harvest and the latter rain ripened the harvest, in the same way, the Holy Spirit's early rain will initiate new life in you and will consummate or fully mature new life in you. Do you follow this today, yes or no? Okay, okay, maybe I'm getting a little too technical. I should have brought like a whiteboard out here. Okay, so here's the thing. If we want to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit, there's two ways to understand this. Okay, obviously we've got the two levels, early rain, latter rain. We understand that. But what does that look like? What is that, how does that apply? 
I would submit that there are two applications, two levels of application. First, on a personal experiential level, on a personal individual level, when the Holy Spirit initiates new life in me, when he reveals who Jesus is and the righteousness of Christ that he purchased for me on Calvary, that is the work of the Holy Spirit to bring us from death to life. Oh, finally, I believe in Jesus that only he paid it all. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. When you come to that point, he's initiating new life in you. Praise God, right? Okay, so the first, that, that's early rain for you, okay? That's, that's the Holy Spirit piercing your heart, shooting rain to your heart, the rain of righteousness. So you're brought from death to life, praise God. But in the same way that the, there's not just early rain, there's also latter rain, as the Holy Spirit continues to nurture you and grow you, the latter rain comes along to fully ripen the new life God has given you. In other words, it's not just the initiation of life that God wants to do, it's the full maturation of life that God wants to do. Now, this doesn't mean that there will be only two marked points in our lives where we experience the Holy Spirit's power. It doesn't mean that you know, the Holy Spirit visits my heart in the early rain, and then sometime down in the future, I never see the Holy Spirit until he comes in latter rain power. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Do you follow me? Yes or no? Yeah? Okay. Because the reality is, with the, with the agricultural thing, uh, the, the wet season was bookended by early and latter rain. So there was rain all throughout. Okay, there, it was a wet season. There was rain all throughout. But it was that latter rain that really ripened things. It brought things to full maturation. In the same way, when the Holy Spirit pierces our hearts with the righteousness of who Jesus is and what he purchased for us on the cross, we will continue to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Day by day by day. As we keep looking to the cross. As we keep opening up the hearts to the life, not our own life, but the life of the resurrected Savior. And eventually, the Holy Spirit wants to come in such a marked manner that he will fully ripen the character of Christ in our lives. So it's the work of initiating conversion, and it's the work of imparting Christ's character. This is a powerful ministry. But the Holy Spirit wants to do this on an individual level. The Holy Spirit wants to do this personally and powerfully. And I asked the question before, but maybe I'll ask it again. How many of you are thirsty for that work of the Holy Spirit? You long for the merits of Christ, not just to be understood intellectually, but you long for the righteousness of Christ to be imparted to you day by day. Lord, give me the victory. Faith is that victory. And so that's the work of the Holy Spirit, to bring about full ripeness of harvest. Okay. So if the Holy Spirit's early rain ministry and latter rain ministry can be understood on the personal level, I would also submit that the Holy Spirit's early and latter rain ministry can, under, can be understood on the historical level. It, 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 in other words, not just for us as individuals, but the Holy Spirit actually wants to do early rain ministry and latter rain ministry on the whole scheme of salvation history. He wants to do this for the whole church, for his work on earth. And let me put it like this. When did the Holy Spirit pour himself out 
to initiate salvation history. Pentecost, okay? Now, uh, maybe I should reword that because salvation history began way before Pentecost. God was saving people way before the New Testament, amen? Okay, maybe I should say it like this. When did the Holy Spirit initiate the, the harvest that came as a result of Christ on the cross, that came as a result of the righteousness of Christ, that came at Pentecost, okay? So in the same way that, that the Holy Spirit would, would initiate a harvest as a result of focusing on the righteousness of Christ, whoa, at some point in salvation history, God is going to pour out his Holy Spirit again to fully ripen, to fully ripen the harvest just before the second coming. Do you follow that, yes or no? Remember, James said, therefore be patient, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And just as the farmer waits for the early and the latter rains, so must we before the fruit is ready. Go with me to the book of Revelation really quick. Revelation chapter 14. I know we're, we're kind of covering a lot of bases here, but I want us to, to start trying to draw things in Connect some dots here. Revelation chapter 14, last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 14, and I want to start in verse, I believe it's verse 14. Revelation 14, verse 14. When you're there, say amen. Amen. Revelation 14, verse 14. There's a picture. The book of Revelation is full of symbols, full of visions. John is watching what God is is trying to communicate about what would take place throughout the history of the Christian church. And he comes to a point in verse 14 of Revelation 14 that he's actually picturing something very vivid. Revelation 14, 14, the Bible says, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp, what's the next word in your Bible? Sickle. What is a sickle? It, it, it's a tool, right? It's a tool for what kind of work? Harvesting. Reaping. Bringing in a harvest. So here's Jesus. He's pictured as a farmer. Okay. He's pictured as a farmer. For what reason? In verse 15 it says, And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap For the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is, what's the next word? Ripe. Here is John, and he sees Jesus at a time in which the harvest that Jesus the farmer has been waiting for is finally ready to reap. What event is John witnessing in symbol right now? The second coming of Jesus. The second coming of Jesus. Somehow or another, it's finally time when John sees this vision. He's vi- envisioning a time when, it, when everything is ripe. In other words, when the harvest has received latter rain. Now in Revelation chapter 14, what immediately precedes this picture of the ripe harvest? Does anybody know? The three angels' messages. Now, for some of us, we, we may remember that back in October, we went through this prophecy seminar, and we began to look at these things, and we saw that the three angels' messages are really the proclamation. Actually, if you take a look at verse 6, Revelation chapter 14, verse 6, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having what? 
having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. It's really a picture of Jesus' last-ditch effort to save humanity. And he's using the proclamation of the everlasting gospel. What does this everlasting gospel sound like? Well, apparently in verses 7 through 12, it sounds like what these angels are proclaiming. What we know as the first angel that says, fear God and give glory to him. The second angel that says, Babylon, anything but God, anything, anything that is not of God is going to fall. Babylon is fallen. And then the third angel's message, one of the most sober warnings in all of Scripture, that if we persist in worshiping anything that is not God, we're going to have to drink a cup that has already been drunk by the Son of God himself. We don't have to drink this cup of the wine of the wrath of God. Friends, do you understand that today? That the, that the third angel's message, though it's a sobering warning, it's a, it's a gospel warning. It's saying, look, there's a cup that you don't have to drink, so please don't drink it. <laughs> and the end result in verse 12, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Apparently, this, this preaching of this three angels' messages of looking to Jesus and saying, oh, he is the one. Apparently, that results in a people who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So the three angels' message is almost, they act like a catalyst. They act as a catalyst to ripen righteousness. And I would submit that on the converse, the flip side of the coin, as it ripens for righteousness, it also, it also causes people to make a firm stand against righteousness. And so in verse 14, now things are ripe and we see Jesus ready. Is it possible that the three angels' messages, the proclamation of the three angels' messages, would indicate to us, historically speaking, right, on the historical level, is it possible that the three angels' messages, the proclamation of the everlasting gospel through these messages, is actually an indication that the latter rain time is now? It's now. The early rain, historically speaking, fell upon the disciples at Pentecost. And as a result, they were able to preach the gospel of Christ, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here at the end of time, latter rain power, the Holy Spirit is being poured out again to proclaim the everlasting gospel. <laughs> Not just to point to the righteousness that Christ purchased, but to actually reveal through our lives the righteousness that Christ has imparted. Whew. Now, I said a lot right there. <laughs> you can go back to the recording and sink it in. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> the latter rain time, historically, is now. Personally, personally, is the latter rain now. One last text. Go to Zechariah. Zechariah is the Old Testament. If you know where Matthew is, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, and then Zechariah is a little bit before that. Okay, two books before that. Zechariah chapter 10. I know I said this is the last text, but this might not be the last text. <laughs> Just a disclaimer. Here we go. Zechariah chapter 10. 
If you found Zechariah, go ahead and wipe your brow. You made it. Okay. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 1. The Bible says, Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. Why don't you lock your eyes on that? Some, some versions say in the spring. And that, that was the season of, of the, the latter rains right there. That was the full ripening of the harvest. So ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. What is the full implication? Why, why would there even be instructions to ask for rain in the time of the latter rain? Hey, it's the time of the latter rain. We can just assume that it's going to come, right? You see what's going on? The appeal is, just because it's the time of the latter rain doesn't mean to presume that you'll receive it. In other words, we must not presume to receive the latter rain. We must pray to receive the latter rain. We must not presume to receive. Just because it's time, we must pray. We must pray. I want to step back a little bit. Step back a little bit. We've talked about some, some pretty uh, heady type of things today, okay? Maybe for some of us, um, this wasn't what we were looking for today. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. The Holy Spirit is necessary for life. The Holy Spirit's ministry to penetrate and pierce your heart and mind with the righteousness of Christ is absolutely necessary for life. If we don't have him, we don't have anything. Do you understand? Yes or no? Christ can ha could have died historically. Christ could have been on the cross. But if, if we're not through the agency of the Holy Spirit to actually apply the merits of the cross to our hearts and lives, that would all be for naught. The Holy Spirit points us to the righteousness of Christ. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is necessary for life. The Holy Spirit is necessary for life. And if it's all in God's hands, then what am I supposed to do? What? Okay, so God is the one who gives the rain. God is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. If that's true, what am I supposed to do about it? Right? What am I supposed to do? What's my role? And first, I would say is this. If the latter rain is all in God's hands, and I understand that, first, I would say this. Receive the early rain. Receive the early rain. Because if you haven't received the early rain, then your hearts are still hardened, right? The early rain functions to plow up the ground. It softens the ground. It even makes the seed possible. We talked about this several weeks ago. If you and I want Pentecost, we must go to Calvary first. So when it comes to receiving the latter rain of the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, receive the early rain. Allow the Holy Spirit to convert your heart and mind day by day. And realize this, realize this. You and I are leaky vessels. <laughs> you and I are leaky vessels. And the point is that, that we can receive the Holy Spirit, but because we've got holes, because we've got cracks and brokenness, we are in constant need of a fresh infilling. Your experience and my experience of the Holy Spirit is only as real as it is recurring. It's only as real as it is recurring. 
Why? Because we're leaky. We need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit every single day. So if we're expecting some great manifestation of the Holy Spirit sometime later, friends, we have no need to expect that if we're not receiving it every single day. Okay. So receive the early rain. Receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to turn up the soil of your hearts day by day. Break the fallow ground, Hosea chapter 6 says. Break that fallow ground. Allow God to sow righteousness there. God wants to do it. God wants to do it, and he'll do it through the righteousness of Christ. So, first, receive the early rain, Calvary and conversion. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Okay, what else can we do? What else can we do? We've read it already, Zechariah 10, verse 1. Ask. <laughs> Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. In other words, don't just assume that you and I are going to be recipients of that rain just because it's time. You and I are not entitled to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we must ask. We must ask. Can I read you something? In, uh, I mean, you remember the story of Elijah, right? You remember the story of Elijah. Actually, in James chapter 5, we started our study with James chapter 5. In James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, it refers to the prayers of Elijah. You remember, Elijah prayed that there would be no rain. And then he prayed three years later that there would be rain, right? <laughs> he was praying during a time in which there was drought. Floods were desperately needed on the dry ground. And in James chapter 5, verse 18, it says that, that, James, that, that Elijah prayed for rain. Do you remember how Elijah prayed? It's recorded, uh, his story. It's in 1 Kings, uh, I think it's chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Did, did Elijah's prayer for rain happen instantaneously, yes or no? Like, did he see answers right away? I mean, did he see flashing clouds, boom, first mention of the, of the need for rain? No. He prayed with his head between his knees. God. You know, he had just come from that great victory, right, on Mount Carmel. That great victory on Mount Carmel. And God responded to his simple prayer right away. You remember that, right? <laughs> Uh, the, the prophets of Baal had been dancing and, and, and yelling around the, the, the altar for Baal for the whole day. And here comes Elijah on top of Mount Carmel. And with no show, says, Lord, let these people know that you alone are a God. <laughs> right? <laughs> Fire from heaven. Immediately after that comes this story where Elijah is praying for rain. He says, okay, okay, the people have repented. The people have seen that the Lord is God. They've now become loyal to God. They've fulfilled that condition. So what does Elijah do? Does he presume that they're going to get rain? No, he prays. He prays. So he prays. And does it happen? <laughs> no. Head between his knees, he's praying. He sends his servant out to the edge uh, wherever he was, this precipice, I'm not sure. He, so th there was a vantage point of the horizon. The servant says, no, there's, there's no clouds. And so Elijah keeps praying. Happens once, twice, three times. If Elijah had stopped at the sixth check for clouds, would there have been rain to come? Elijah prayed again and again and again. And Elijah prayed seventh time. He sees just the, a, a cloud the size of a man's head. It was just something small, a token. And Elijah took it as enough. He said, let's go! 
He runs down the hill and starts telling Ahab, hey, you better hurry home because the rains are coming and the roads are going to get muddy. You better go. Ahab gets in his chariot. Elijah outruns the man. I don't know how this happens, but Elijah outruns him. You want, you want endurance? Pray. Amen. So, so here is Elijah, a man of weaknesses just as you and I are. That's what James 5 says. And he prayed for rain. Notice this, I found this in Our High Calling, page 133. Talking about the experience of Elijah. It says, the prophet did not give up in discouragement. Amen. He kept reviewing his life to see where he had failed to honor God. And as he searched his heart, he seemed to be less and less, both in his own estimation and in the sight of God. So here's Elijah. He's praying his guts out. And he's like, God, what's going on? Uh, If there's something in me, then please make me a fit vessel. And so his experience of persevering prayer, even though it didn't change the horizon right away, he was experiencing change in his heart right away. And that's why we pray. Because praying for rain changes us first. And it continues, it seemed to him that he was nothing and that God was everything. And when he reached the point of renouncing self while he clung to the Savior as his only strength and righteousness, the answer came. So what do we do? It's time for the latter rain. Do we just wait around? No, we don't just twiddle our thumbs and wait. (laughs) Don't just wait. Pray. Don't just wait. Pray. Next Sabbath, right after potluck, March 1, we're going to be getting together and launching a 40 days of prayer. Why? Because we're not just waiting. We're praying. That's why. It's 40 days, not just to fill our calendar with more things. It's 40 days because we desperately need the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't signed up already, I would just urge you, maybe you're looking for something practical to take home from this, sign your name up (laughs) so that you can reserve your material. There's a small fee for the book, but that's negligible compared to the blessings that God wants to give us through this 40 days. Sign up. You, You can share the book with a friend and just put your two names there on the same line, whatever it is. But next Sabbath... That's when we're going to start it off, March 1. So don't just wait. Pray. Can I suggest another one? (laughs) Don't just wait. Work. Did you hear what I said? Don't just wait. Work. It's, It's one thing to pray that God would fill your life. It's one thing to pray for your burden for for your friends. It's one thing to pray that God would save those around you and use you. But it's another thing to actually act on your prayers altogether. It's interesting because uh, as I've I've talked with different individuals about this this hope and expectation of the latter rain, there is a tendency, there is a tendency to use the expectation of the latter rain as a cop-out. Let me explain. Maybe you have, maybe you've been like me and you felt insufficient or incapable of being effective for God. Maybe you don't feel like you're a great witness. You, you, you have nothing to share. And even when you do try to share, you just kind of stumble over your words. Oh man, I'm just not even going to try anymore. I'll just kind of wait till the latter rain gives me power. Maybe you haven't articulated that thought process before, but, but somehow, somewhere, it's there. But friends, just because it's the time for the latter rain doesn't give us an excuse for present duty. 
Just because we have a future anticipation of blessing doesn't mean that we can shirk present duty. Amen? (laughs) Uh, Let me just read this. This comes from Acts of the Apostles, page 55. It says, Unless the members of God's church today have a living connection with the source of all spiritual growth, they will not be ready for the time of reaping. That's kind of heavy. In other words, she's saying, look, look, look. Yes, it, it's, a, it's a future tense experience, but it's a today experience as well. And if we're not having the today experience, then the future has no bearing on your life. Instead of looking forward to some future time when through a special endowment of spiritual power they will receive a miraculous fitting up for soul winning, they are themselves yielding daily to God that he may make them vessels meet for his use. Daily they are improving the opportunities for service that lie within their reach. Daily they are witnessing for the master wherever they may be, whether in some humble sphere of labor in the home or in a public field of usefulness. Here's the point. Don't just wait for power to be effective. Don't just wait. Work. Don't just wait. Work. And friends, I've seen that. I've seen, that, I've seen that manifest through your willingness. Some of you are stepping out into the waters. You're not quite sure why you're doing this, but you're going forward anyway. You're sharing the gospel with your friends. You're starting Bible studies. You're opening up your home for different ministries. You're actually meeting neighbors here and there. Friends, you don't maybe necessarily feel uh, fit. You don't feel like you're fully equipped. But friends, as you're going out, that gives you even more readiness to receive the latter rain power of the Holy Spirit. That's exciting to me. That's exciting to me. Just in the last few weeks, just in the last few weeks, you know, uh, there was a friend of mine. I had no idea how to minister to him. He shared with me some news that totally broke my heart because his faith convictions were not the faith convictions that I had thought that he had. And, you know, I I tried to reach out to him, and and in my own heart and mind, I said to myself, I have nothing to give him. (laughs) I have no idea how to reach out to this guy. But I went ahead. I called him up. I said, hey, how about we get together for lunch? I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no idea what I was going to say. I didn't feel like I was charged with this heavenly message to give him at that point, but I said, let me just, I'm not just going to wait. I'm going to work. And so as I did, God opened up doors. I have no idea if what I really said or or did was of any effect or value, but I know that our relationship is strengthened because of it and that if he has any more questions, he can still come to me. Here's the point. Don't just wait. (laughs) I can think of another example of an individual that I feel like I should pursue, and right now I'm sitting on my hands about it. And now I'm preaching to myself, okay, Godfrey, don't just wait. Go to work, okay? And maybe you're thinking of examples right now, too. And I pray that you would. I pray that the Holy Spirit would put it on your heart, not just to wait, but go to work. Don't just wait. Pray. Ask for the rain. It's time for the latter rain. Let's pray and work. Work and pray. And this will be the business of our lives. So, if that's your desire to ask for the rain in the time of the latter rain. If it's your desire to even work, assuming that God is going to give you rain when it's time, then would you please 
why don't we just kneel together in prayer. If you're longing to receive the reign of the Holy Spirit, go ahead and just move to your knees and let's kneel for prayer. Father in heaven, what an appropriate response to this appeal for receiving the Holy Spirit. We're kneeling because we know that we have nothing. <laughs> we're kneeling because we know, we know that we're completely dependent upon you. We're kneeling because we're just giving you the green light to have your own way. And so, God, would you please do, do everything it takes to make us ready to receive your reign. God, there are some of us here today that our take-home is essentially we need the early rain before even looking forward to the latter rain. God, maybe you've held up the mirror in front of our hearts and we need conversion, God. We need a new nature. We need to be passed from death to life. We've been trying so hard in our own strength for things that are, that are really only in your power to do. And so, God, please give us the early rain. And Father, I also recognize today that, that uh, many of us are, are, are struggling with a sense of urgency about asking for rain. And I pray, God, that you would make us a people of prayer. God, we're facilitating a 40 days experience, but, but it's not a program that's going to do it. It's only as you give us a spirit of supplication and intercession, God. You need to give us the gift of prayer. And so we're asking Make us a people of prayer. We're taking you up on Zechariah 10.1. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. And Father, there are, <laughs> there are probably countless uh, impressions that you've placed upon our hearts to work in this way or to be used in that way or to extend ourselves in this way. And Lord, we've been sitting on our hands. And God, if that's the case, then I pray that you would just cause us to jump at the chance to yield ourselves to you. Lord, make us men and women who are ready to work. We thank you, God, that we can be patient. <laughs> that you are going to give us rain as we continually yield ourselves to you. And so this day and every day, we pray that you would make us men and women who are ready to receive your reign. We pray this in Jesus' saving name. Let the family say, Amen. 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 Happy Sabbath, friends. The sign-up sheet is out there in the lobby. Um, and plan for it. Next Sabbath, we'll kick it off together. God bless you.